Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. Amen. You know, as I look at the world, you know, a hundred years ago, there just weren't as many items in the world as we have now. Technology is just taking a boom. I, I believe you know, back 150 years, they would believe that we were living on an alternate universe, a, a, a different planet. I mean, just, you know, from how we drive, how we fly, uh, the internet. I mean, I, I remember as a boy, um, I don't know if it happened in my generation or I was brought into the revelation of it, you know, but we had black and white TV where you turned it out. I hate to admit that, but that, that wasn't too long ago. You know, the black and white TV, you turn the knob and you had the tinfoil on the uh, antenna. For those who understand what I'm saying, say amen and reveal yourself. You understand you couldn't get a state. The millennials are like, what? Tinfoil? How? What's going on? Really? Oh, yeah, really. Couldn't get, it wasn't no such thing as HD. You just looked through the fuzz. And, uh, and black and white TV was like great. And then something happened when they started moving from black and white and they started doing Technicolor. Now when they, just, some of y'all just really showed your age, you know, when they, when they came out with Technicolor and they started coloring the old black and white movies, I was like, man, the world has changed. And then when my mama first said, told us we was getting a color TV, I mean, the, the, I mean, what better thing could you ever have in life than a color TV? See, there, there's just, there's advancements. You know what I noticed? With every advancement of technology uh, throughout the media or the world or medicine, um, just, you know, people are growing kidneys now. We're, we're just doing things that help us live longer and become stronger. But you know what? Something I noticed. There, the credit goes to man way more than it goes to God. We think about the inventor of this, the creator of that, the uh, progenitor of, of this. And, 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 and though we know as believers God is the source, we become even a bit desensitized to his involvement at the advancement of the world and technology. It seems to be easy in this world to muffle his story, his involvement, and in, in, in who he is. So we're coming to the Advent season where the greatest news that could ever hit the planet has come, and yet seemingly it's like on the shelf with a bunch of other things that you can choose to celebrate. But, but the gravity of understanding that there is no life without the life giver. It, just, 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 just for the purposes of this little exercise we're doing here, live in the phrase that you and I were dead in trespasses and sins. Okay, so what that simply means is you had no hope of ever getting into the flow of him, the life giver, getting into his presence, what you receive when, when you're dead in trespasses and sin is just his, his, his mercy. But we are not heirs yet when we're in that condition. We're not joint heirs with Christ. We're not sons and daughters of God. 
We don't have something to look forward to in this life, and we have nothing to look forward to in the next life. And that is the condition that every human being is born in. How devastating a news to say you were born with a terminal illness that not only affects you in this life, but the next. I mean, we would all want to know the cure. Within this incarnational Advent Christmas story, we, we, we began to get the, 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 the cure, but I know that it's not sinking deep enough because the joy is limited in its expression. If you, I, 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 if raise your hand if you've ever been sick or ill before, like, you know, like where you, you have some, even if it was a severe cold, you know, when you have a severe cold or you got, you know, pneumonia or something, you think you're going to die. Now, you may not be that close to that, but you think you're not. And you start appreciating the simple things, like tasting your food, being able to swallow, you know, being able to breathe good. And when you can, those first few days of relief, you remember that little joyful feeling you have? And when you're in that pain, when I was in, sorry for the long intro, but I have to set up a passion for you to appreciate what you're going to hear. It's the purpose. I remember Pastor Bruce when I, when I uh, uh, you probably remember this, when I broke my knee and I was in the, you know, after I came from the, the, the doctor and the pain kicked in and that night I was in my bed and, and the, in the full pain to the knee came. And I remember I was all alone and I began to holler, and I began to cry. And five hours in, I was still hollering, and I was still crying. <clears throat> and after I had repented for every sin I knew, <laughs> and after I had apologized to my wife for everything I ever thought I didn't appreciate about her, when I realized that that was not going to relieve my pain, I started saying stuff like, Jesus, you know, if you want to, you can take me. No, I said it. I said I mean, I meant it. That's all right. I mean, I live long enough. I mean, I either live without the leg or I live, you know, I'll come on and see you now. You know, there's, there's some pain. There's some pain. When, when we, we pick up the story of, of I, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 7, 14. It's the only verse we're going to look at. When we pick up the story, the people are in peril. You have to see, I, I wanted to relate peril to pain because somehow everybody's tolerance seems to be a little different. You know, some people learn how to live off of, you know, a block of cheese and, you know, a sip of milk and then that's it. And then you just, well, we're making it and you're happy. But peril is where you don't know if you're going to draw that next breath. So I'm going to read this scripture, and then I'm going to tell you a narrative that may help you appreciate God's answer to our pain. Put, put Isaiah 7, 14 up. Ready, read. You know, 
this verse and this statement at this time was a little bit shocking and insensitive to me. Uh, there was a king named Asa who was the king of uh, Judea, Judah. And there in Israel and Amram wanted Ahaz, the king of Judah, to team up with them and defeat Assyria, who was pretty tough enemy, who was wiping out everybody. Ahaz decided, I'd rather go it alone. Not only won't I get with my two closest allies, I would rather try to make a deal with my enemy than trust my friends or my family or trust my God. The prophet comes to him after, so let me slow down. So Amram and Israel decide because Judah, King Ahaz leads Judah, don't want to team up with them to defeat Assyria, we're going to take him out and put a new king in who will have some sense. They tried and failed. The prophet, now so, so his brothers tried. So now a prophet named Isaiah comes and says, you know what, uh, Ahaz, you don't need to be fearful. You and all the people are so fearful that you're trying to adapt the ways of the Assyrians who are going to rule over you in a worse way. They're going to rob you. They're going to take from you. They're going to hurt you. And by the way, why are you afraid of them if you have a covenant with God that he's going to protect you? He says this. He said, what I want you to do, hear me now. He says, ask the Lord to give you a sign. I want you to see it in the Bible. Give me uh, Isaiah 7.10. It says, just read it. Seems like he's pious, seems like he's religious, seems like he's, he, he doesn't want to ask God for a sign that he's going to be all right, a sign that he's going to keep his promise, a sign that he's going to deliver, a sign that he's going to push back the enemy. The sign that they already couldn't defeat them was not enough. The sign that he already had a promise uh, previous to this was not enough. He said there's times in our life when we just need to ask God for a sign. Now, typically when you ask for a sign in the Bible, it has some type of a negative connotation of some type of weakness. But this time, the prophet is saying, go ahead and ask him. This is the difference in this. And he would not. The reason that he wouldn't could have been maybe he'd already sent a, an envoy to Assyria. Could have been he didn't want to be embarrassed. Could have been he didn't want to, uh, he'd already, I think, sacrificed his children to to the pagan God in the temple to appease them. He'd already, he was wicked. Maybe he had been so far gone, he just didn't want to go back. But even when the mercy of God shows up and say, just, just ask me a sign. I don't care 
how low it has to be, how high it is. Just ask me a sign, I'll give it to you. And he refused to ask. As the leader, he refused to do what was right for the people. And here's the context to which this verse is being spoken. Remember, I want you to feel your pain. Ahaz has a problem. He's going to be destroyed by either Israel, Amran, or Syria. He has a problem that he trusts in himself. He has a problem that he's full of fear. He has a problem that he'd rather do wicked to preserve his earthly life than to trust God for his life now and after. And then you read, here's what the prophet says to him. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He told him to ask for a sign. He said, the Lord will give you a sign. He said, this, the, the, Lord, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Uh, verse, uh, the next part of the verse. This is, the, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. So I don't know, go back, go back, go back. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he promised. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. All right. So God's got an answer, but you and I might not like it. God's answer is not, I'm going to send a mighty army. God's answer is not, I'm going to rain down money from heaven. God's answer is not, is I'm, I'm going to just um, um, flood you with this overwhelming sense of confidence. God's answer is to give you a promise that, he, a promise that he's going to solve it all. Every one of your problems and struggles are solved in Christ and his incarnation. The answer is a baby. So if I was going to title this message today, Pastor Bruce, I would title it, Signed, Sealed, Delivered. I know you want to sing it right now, but don't. Not a holy song, but these will be used as holy words. Signed, sealed, delivered. From the moment God speaks, he is signing off that it's going to be delivered. I love how Proverbs says, my tongue is the pen of the ready writer. God has given a sign. God has always been able and willing to give signs to his people. Remember, in the Old Testament, the priest would wear a vest with the Urim and the, the, the Thurim, and, and they would ask a question, and in, in whichever side of the stone of the vest lit up, that was God's answer. How many like that Old Testament way? Because you want God to get to the point, don't you? Lord, just tell me, yes or no, am I supposed to marry her or not? You know, am I supposed to move away or not? We want that Old Testament sign, you know. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Be nice, huh? And, and, but, but we had New Testament ways. That, remember the first miracle that he did at Cana, turning the water into wine, he said it was a sign to them so they would believe. God has a lot of things that he does to help us just 
believe. You need a sign. Now, the Bible says the Jews required a sign. I'm not telling you that you, need to, you can require a sign from God. He offered Asa to ask for a sign. You can't say, I'm going to believe if he give me a sign, I demand a sign. You can't demand it. But God was trying to do it. We know that the enemy will come with strong delusions and try to trick you. And if it's, the Bible says, if it's possible, even a very elect would be deceived and, and tricked uh, from their sign. There are signs, you know, there are warning signs that we don't listen to. Danger. Don't go, I, I try to, say, I, you know, I don't like kids having phones. Even though I'm, more, I'm at some point I'm going to have to break down and just go and get one because it's too hard in this world. Dad, what my email say? Hold on, let me get it off my phone. I mean, it's, he going, it's coming his way. But it comes with warnings. But this sign comes with uh, more of a proclamation. You know what? This is going to be a sign to you. That for all your troubles, for all your worries, for everything that you're going through, I have a solution. He says to the shepherds, this will be a sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. He told Anna and Zacharias, you're gonna, it's going to be a sign. He's, Jesus being born is going to be a sign to the generations of how he's going to deal with it. Jesus has always been a sign. You know, I, I asked God for a sign once. And it was because my, my, my um, stepdad played the lottery. I said, Lord, if you're real, then let me hit tonight. <laughs> you know, I was supposed to play his number, but I played my number once. Didn't hit. It's not, it's, so it's not your sign. It's whatever sign he preordained for you to have. Um, so it's not just that he gives us a sign. The virgin is going to conceive. I mean, I'm, he seals it. He says, behold, the virgin will conceive. Why do I call this the seal? Because, number one, in order for this virgin to conceive, I got to help you understand, there was no human help required. I think you need to get this. There's no human help required. This is important. There's no angelic help required. When this virgin conceived, there was no physical act needed. The only thing was the consent of Mary. She says, when the angel comes to her and says, you, go, but, but, you know, that you're going to bear, bear a son, she says, be it unto me. She had to receive it. That's the only thing you have to do. So in order to be sealed, all we have to do is receive by faith this promise. So... But it had nothing to do. Why, 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 when something is sealed, it's impervious. When something is sealed, nothing can come in and nothing can come out. Nothing can be added to it. We, we don't need, our Savior is pure. He's holy. He's, um, uh, here, here's, let, let's read it in, in Hebrews that, that help, help it. It says, uh, Hebrews seven twenty six. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, Innocent, unstained, separate from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. The Bible says that he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. 
but he had no sin in him. He was tempted in all ways. He was fully, got fully pure is what you, this is why he, this is the miracle. The miracle is, it doesn't tell us exactly how he did everything, but we know that when he came, that he was born in the likeness of sinful flesh. Means he was, he was human, but he did not have the sin nature. Is this important for you to understand? Now, why, why would I use the word sealed? Because if he had a sin nature, he couldn't save you. If he had a blemish on him, one spot, if he had something that would tarnish his goodness. But the reason he couldn't is because his essence and his character is sinless. He cannot sin. In him is light and life and no darkness at all. This is the one. But, but, but why is this important to me? It's because... If he is victorious in this conception, if this is really a seal, then I can have confidence in my born-again status when I believe. If he was able to be kept, if he was pure, guess what? He gives me, when he imparts to me that right standing, the, judge, the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. In other words, the sin of the world was laid on him. He did no sin. I want to go to this little final point, delivered. And he said, bear him a son. And he called his name Emmanuel. And um, it's funny that he's always been the son of God. There's never been a question. The scripture says he's eternally the son. The Bible says unto us a child is born. That's the humanity but unto us a, a son is given. Uh, I love how the Nicene Creed puts it. Put my Nicene Creed up here. We're going to read this. Oh, oh. Ready? Read. Okay, that's why I wanted you to stop. When I think of, of, of that Nicene Creed, when I think of what the Savior has done, I think it was amazing that God would wrap himself in a likeness of sinful flesh, that the second person in the Trinity, in his perfect holy form, would come and humble himself and subject himself to lay down his life to redeem man. The reason that I can have joy is because God is not far from me. The reason Asa should have, Ahaz should have trusted in God because God wasn't far from him. And there was a promise given in, the, in Genesis 3.15. There was a promise given in Isaiah 7 and, and 43. And that promise was fulfilled according to Matthew 1 and 20, 23. He says, he says, for unto us, um, I mean, for, for the virgin shall conceive and you should call his name Emmanuel, and this is the fulfillment. The Bible calls it the fulfillment of Isaiah 7 and 14, that God is with us. 
what do I want you to walk away in this Christmas season getting from this message or getting from this time that God is with you, that he is near you. And I know that problems come upon you. I know circumstances come upon you. I know trials come and I know the adversary boasts and, and health problems boasts and lack boasts to you what you cannot have. But he has already provided everything that pertains unto life, which is himself and godliness. He's given you all things that you need um, to live and to live a fruitful life. God is not far from you. God is with you. God is near you. He is a very present help. He says in, in, in Matthew 20, 20, 28, I mean 28, 20, he said, lo, I'll, he's not low, I'll be with you. He said, I'll be with you even until the end of the age. It's just not that he was promising to be there. Right now, he is here with us. I'll leave you with this thought. The Bible says in that we receive the earnestness of the spirit. We receive the seal the guarantee, the down payment, when we actually believe this story, believe on Jesus and trust on him and call, in, call on him, he gives us the same seal. He gives us a portion of his spirit. He gives us the same confidence that we'll never be without him. Why should you have joy in this season? Because Christmas, like I said last week, is every day. Every day is Christmas because it's Christ in you the hope of glory. Stand to your feet. Thank you. Ministry team, you can come down. You know, when I, um, I used to ask the Lord, just like Mary, Mary said like, how's this going to happen? You ever get to that point of your own just born again experience and you're thinking how is it going to happen how is this going to get applied how is this going to get done how, how is God going to achieve what he wants through me and he says the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you in that misunderstanding time the Holy Spirit came and the Bible says this child is born of the Spirit you know being born again it's being born of God's spirit. When you say yes to Jesus, he gives you a born again spirit. That was just born of flesh is flesh, but that was just born of spirit is spirit. And the Bible says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void and the spirit hovered over the waters. I don't know how dark your circumstances are. I mean, I don't know if you have questions like Mary said, like, how can this be to me? But I know that the Spirit of God is hovering over this place, hovering over your life. He is willing to offer you salvation to those who will believe in the story. And I know that it's easy to say that was just the answer for back then. But the reason it's important is because it's the answer to today. Don't fear about what tomorrow is going to bring or what tomorrow is not doing for you. Don't fear about it. Because I know in this room, there's a lot of anxiety. When you leave here, you got problems waiting on you. You have problems waiting on you. But the promise left you with one conclusion. Emmanuel, God is with us. Believe. Because it's signed, sealed, delivered. Lord, I pray. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. 
you can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you.